actually the, the story began a little bit before that, which was I wanted to compare uh, what our teams on the ground were finding regarding deforestation. And I said, I, I don't have um, a lot of confidence that teams on the ground can do a very good job of identifying deforestation. I, I think they can do mm -hmm. a good job of looking for banned pesticides, looking at labor issues, but deforestation, it, maybe it just happened over the next hill and you just didn't go there. So I asked the team, can you look at the the systems that exist for the, I said, what, what is the system behind every news article I read about how many hectares have been deforested? Go and find that system and let's at least match our system of theirs and, and let's make sure that we're in the same uh, same ballpark. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and I am joined by David Browning uh, from Inveritas. And we today are going to be adding on top of um, this theme that we're exploring about intentional problem solving. And one of those intentional problems that needs to be solved is how people get to understand the new EU regulations with regards to deforestation detection. David, how do people actually get their heads around what all of this means for them? Because a lot of people are very confused by what these new EU laws mean. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, I guess, to make it fairly, to, to try and boil it down to simple terms, if the coffee is going to come into the EU, it has to be deforestation free. And if the coffee comes in and then leaves and goes out again, it also has to be deforestation free. So for any of you who, who are receiving coffee in some form and then um, bring it in from Europe, that, that's, also, um, that's also part of this process. I would also say I, I've been in a lot of conversations and I think this this type of regulation is, is likely to happen in other places as well. I'd, I'd okay. imagine that we'll end up at some point seeing regulations like this in, in North America. Uh, just to clarify, is this just for green coffee or is it for green and roasted coffee? If the if the coffee is exported out of Europe as roasted, then then yes, it, it has to also comply. So okay. If, Coffee is leaving, um, then it has to comply. Uh, there's three articles in regulation to to read. There's an Article 9, Article 10, Article 11. Um, don't worry reading Article 11, but it's Article 9 and 10 that uh, are the only two that matter. But in but uh, in very simple terms, if there's any deforested coffee in your coffee, then the law says you can't bring it in. Uh, that is very challenging um, because most of the world's coffee uh, is in very fragmented supply chains. Mm. Uh, it does, doesn't come in very... Uh, I also should mention that this regulation is not specifically tailored to coffee. It actually covers seven commodities. So, mm -hmm. so I hear a lot of people who are quite frustrated that there wasn't more nuance in the regulation that would take account of coffee, but it, coffee was just one-seventh of everything that they were, they were dealing with. And it's a fully understandable why the EU uh, did what it did. They, they're concerned about climate change, concerned about deforestation. They didn't feel like they wanted to have um, uh, to be contributing to that problem. Um, but of course, once you get to an industry like coffee, it becomes incredibly complicated to, to understand next steps because there are two and a half million uh, coffee farmers out there. Um, a lot of this coffee, when it changes hands, um, it, it doesn't change hands through nice, neat, formal um excel spreadsheets or apps mm. these are um uh, these are transactions where there's no pen and paper there's no receipt handshake uh, 
capital gets mixed uh, and passed from farmer to small agent to medium agent to large agent to exporter to importer. So uh, that being said, um, when the regulation first came out, we um, we had a look at the regulation and we were, we were getting a lot of questions from our clients. And um, and we realized that the, the team, the Inveritas team, sort of went away to have a look at, well, how would we, how would we actually comply? Actually, the, the story began a little bit before that, which was I wanted to compare uh, what our teams on the ground were finding regarding deforestation. And I said, I, I don't have um, a lot of confidence that teams on the ground can do a very good job of identifying deforestation. I, I think they can do mm -hmm. a good job of looking for banned pesticides, looking at labor issues, but deforestation, it, maybe it just happened over the next hill and you just didn't go there. So I asked the team, can you look at the the system that exists for the, I said, what, what is the system behind every news article I read about how many hectares have been deforested? Go and find that system and let's at least match our system of theirs and, and let's make sure that we're in the same uh, same ballpark. Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Just to give me some confidence that we've, mm. we've got it. So they went away and they came back um, within 48 hours and said it's not not really worth doing because the system is completely broken and it doesn't doesn't really measure deforestation accurately. And I said, okay, um, why is that? And I said, well, it's using 30 meter resolution, and the resolution is so is so non granular that um, it can't really tell what is forest and what is the commercial crop, and so oh, all the wow. palms, all the rubber trees. Are all just being called trees. They're not actually measuring forest, they're measuring trees. And whenever a commercial plantation is cut down, uh, which is not deforestation, that gets counted as deforestation. So there's enormous. So even stumping? Stumping of, of commercial um, palm oil plantations gets called deforestation incorrectly. <sighs> um, and so I said, well, could you could you build a better model? And they said, sure. And, and off they went, uh, and they came back with um, uh, with with this model, which is just generations ahead. So we we had the great advantage that uh, again it was a perfect task for neural networks. It's it's incredibly vast mm -hmm. the the um, the challenge at hand. You have to get to more granular satellite imagery, so you have to get down to fifty centimeters. So that means every pixel you're looking at is about this big. So it's about fifty by fifty centimeters. Wow. Uh, when you get to that level. You can tell the difference between a palm oil tree and a forest. And more importantly, if something is deforested, you can tell what crop was planted there. And that's what you need the 50 centimeter imagery for. The, the 10 meter, which is what the EU would, would like everyone to use, is just not granular enough. So you can't actually tell what is coffee. So we said, well, we're going to have to go to the more granular. Um, but there's there's good reason why, why no one else wants to do that because the, the data... Um, the data complexity is off the charts and um so it's it's uh so if we just we finished vietnam so if you, if you want to ask me how many cafeteria trays because each pixel is about the size of the cafeteria tray uh -huh. you ask me how many cafeteria trays would there be if i laid them end to end on every piece of dirt in vietnam the answer is 1.34 trillion pixels 2.4 uh, <laughs> trillion coffee trays 
And and you might say, yeah, okay, so that's a lot of trillions. And you say, but but I know I know big numbers. It's 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 trillions and there's trillions mm-hmm. and billions, and billions and they're all big. But trillions truly are an incomprehensible. Um, mm. If I ask how many million uh, seconds ago, I think it's like two weeks ago. Now, if I ask how many is a, a billion seconds ago, you, know, you might think, well, that's probably I don't know January. Maybe it was during COVID, but. Um, but a billion seconds ago is it's like uh, the fall of the the Berlin Wall, and they wow. said, "Well, if that by more than a trillion seconds ago, well, that's more. So trillions more than a billion. So I guess that must be like World War Two or maybe the, the War of Independence, something like that. But now a trillion seconds is before Washington, before Columbus, uh, before the Romans, before the pyramids, before the end of the last ice age. It's thirty four thousand years ago. Wow." So, magnitude that we're dealing with that like what what is actually asked the the regulation says ask what seems like a fairly straightforward thing which is just go and make sure you understand where the deforestation is and make sure you under that, that the forest has been taken away from and you also then you need to make sure that there's no coffee growing on that piece of deforestation so basically you just need two simple things which is just well three i guess you need to know where the forests are you need to know when the forest disappeared and you'd know if coffee got put in that place. But it turns out that those three things require 1.34 trillion pixels in Vietnam. But, of course, Vietnam's a small country, so then we had to move to Brazil, and Brazil wow. is 26 times the size of Vietnam. 26 times the size? So Brazil is the size of Europe. Um, it's, it's, got a, it's basically the size of Western Europe, so, um, which is part of the reason why, as I mentioned in the earlier podcast, the team has traveled 150,000 kilometers mm. uh, just on Brazil. Um, so, so the team managed to resolve a lot of the false positives. We actually redid um, Sumatra because we could see on the maps that Sumatra was getting hammered um, as being a, a really gross um, uh, deforesting nation. And that had actually flowed through to those various significant coffee retailers who, who had said, we will not buy coffee from Sumatra. Sumatra, yeah. Because the numbers show that it is, it is, um, is doing such a poor job of protecting its forests. But what we, what we found is that the deforestation was overestimated by a factor of four. So it was actually only 25% the deforestation that um, had been thought. And most of the rest was, was rubber and palm oil plantation. So just commercial farms replanting their their um their trees every 10 or 15 years but that's not deforestation that's not a forest that's been cut down it's just agriculture uh so so that was the starting point was um was can we actually build a, an accurate system and the answer is yes and so we're now moving across the world and building um the the only system which can detect deforestation accurately and then say if uh if coffee um, was planted there. Uh, the, the next step is then to actually build the system whereby you do something about that. Um, and that is that is literally what we're, we're in the process of now and starting to talk to governments and helping them understand uh, how can we how can we work out a system where um, we can assure that coffee isn't being planted illegally so that your exports can't get um, uh, can't get inhibited because the, the math is that, if you start to try and build units for large roasters, uh, if you start to try and build a supply unit to supply the roasters, 
mm-hmm. you very quickly discover that the the intent was that uh, you'd create a small group of farmers who were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, um, there's about 600,000 farmers. Um, so I, I think the intent of regulation is, well, well, your job is to go out and find you know, 20,000, 30,000 of those farmers and make sure that they're doing the right thing and then you can buy from those farmers and you can bring to Europe. Mm-hmm. But when you actually do the math, what you discover fairly quickly is the large companies are buying from like 200,000 farmers. Mm-hmm. So just two or three of the major roasters are accounting for all the farmers. And since the traders will have to build these systems, you actually will have to build a system for all of the farmers. So at that point, the logic starts to break down. If I need all 600,000 farmers in my group that I say are deforestation free, then what I'm really saying is I just need to... For the whole country. That's uh, that's sort of an epiphany that that's, we've really only come across in the last um, probably two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, it has implications for now. How do you actually design something which can meet the aspirations of the EU, uh, but can do the right thing by farmers and governments? But uh, but we're excited. Uh, we, we we think we have um, answers, and um, but essentially it will come down to being able to identify the specific deforestation that's happening, and then working out how to to make sure that that is remediated. Um, for for all of your listeners who are um, who are uh, standing by, I'd say that if if we can get agreement, if we can get the EU to align with uh, how we propose to address the issue, then and Veritas will will have the answer for all, all of the world's exporters. They'll be able to log into the system. We will actually address Excellent. all of the deforestation and they'll be able to get a deforestation certificate. It is not a slam dunk. It does require um, the the EU will, will, will want to lay out for them. Here's how we're proposing to address this. But, but certainly the first the first part of the process to actually know how much deforestation is happening, where it's happening, um, and that piece we've, we've solved. And now comes the next step, which is what you do about that. And that, that was going to be my next question is how do you roll this out? Do, does it become a product where uh, people have to – does it get funded by governments? Does it get funded by subscription services from producers? Or is it the roasters that are going to pay for it? How does this product get rolled out? Yeah, so it would be it would be built at, at a large roaster level. The roaster could could um, just pay in Veritas directly. But once you get down to um, once you get down to the, the vast majority of exporters, then the exporters would would be able to log in. They'd be able to get certificate certification they need. Right, before. you pay for the certificate, yeah, the certification. Yeah, um, and it's a uh, yeah, it's um, I think it's about ten dollars a ton, or about half a cent a pound, or something like that. So. That's super reasonable. So it's, uh, it's it's certainly be it's cheaper than what's out there, but that, again, that's because we can do that much lower because um, this was a problem which stumbled into the Inveritas ecosystem, mm-hmm. which has been already tailor made to solve one of those that this sort of problem. Meaning we had machine learning team who were who were doing other things, but they were very well um, equipped to solve this problem. But just having machine learning isn't isn't enough. The way machine learning works is you have to do feedback loops. You have to you have to tell it when it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very challenging because for something like coffee, you can't do it once. You, uh, so Google has has and Microsoft have both built a deforestation model, but the Inveritas one is is considerably more accurate. But that's because they they built a model, but it's not their business. They're not going to go off and 
tromp around in the forests of, uh, of the tropics, um, but that's exactly what we do. So our teams are out there uh, in very forbidding terrain in, in 26 countries, um, and they're, they're giving feedback back to the model of whether it's it's accurate or not. Um, if we have, how we're doing for time, I can give one example of what that looks like. Go that's ahead. Probably, um, so, so maybe a, a, another example might um, might help people understand about why why you need that ground truth and why why it's just not enough to have a smart person in in a university who can build models. There's no question. There's lots of people out there who can build good machine learning models, but you have to um, you have to add to that the, this very very labor intensive uh, work on the ground. Uh, when we entered Cote d'Ivoire a few years ago, um, the uh, I met with the first lady, and uh, and we wanted to build a long term partnership. So one of my questions was, what are the issues that are um, of, of great concern for you and, and the country? And she said, one of one of them is is our, our education system. You know, I, I, that's really important for the future of Cote d'Ivoire. Um, I want to understand our schools and where they are. Um, and how we can invest in them. Well, we don't actually have um, a repository. We don't. We don't really have um, a, a, a credible system of where all our schools are. So, would you be able to to do that? And I said, like, that's actually a, a um, that's a task that's well suited to machine learning because a school mm. in Kota looks totally different than anything else. It, it's a longer building than um, than a normal house. Uh, it'll most often have a toilet block and it'll have a whole patch of dirt. Out, out the front where um, the kids play soccer, and uh, and so that's that's really different than than a church. A church is a is more of a square shape. It also has a lot of paths leading into it and beaten, but but just a different a different sort of solution. So um, so we could task the the machine learning to to find the schools, and they found eleven thousand schools in, in a matter of weeks. So we're able to identify the latitude, longitude of all the schools in the country very quickly uh, but it did make some mistakes uh, and I made two mistakes uh, primarily uh, which, which I think which I think is illuminating to understand it is hard to get your head around what machine learning does and what it doesn't do and it doesn't think the way uh, a human look at a problem the first mistake it made was uh, commercial chicken coops so there, there was one other building that was long and thin and that was chicken coops so um so it made errors there and they kept on picking up chicken coops and saying this is a school but the other error and we so we had to feedback in the model no that's not a school that's a chicken coop and eventually it gets better uh, but the other mistake it made was rapids in rivers oh. uh, you might think well rapids in river look nothing like a school but um, but the rapids in the river are silver, where the waves are getting kicked up, so it looks a lot like a, a tin roof, um, uh -huh. and it's a rectangle because it has two banks of the river on these right. two sides, and it has still water above it and still water below it, and there's basically this rectangle of silver. And so machine learning doesn't says that looks like a school. That's sort of you know you told me what a school looked like. This looks like a school, so. So again, you have to feed that back in and say, no, that's not a school, that's a river. And then the model goes, oh, okay. And then over time it learns. Um, but that's that's what you need actually. Now, that those are very easy cases. Once you get down to the very nuanced case of um, is this a coffee plantation or is it a forest 
or is it a coffee plantation with pepper grown amongst it or is it a rubber plantation with rows of coffee planted in between it um, or is it a coffee plantation that was abandoned but planted at a very different density all those all those sorts of variations um, that to get accurate you actually need to keep feeding that in and then find your errors and go back um, so it was uh Again, it was it was interesting that it was not um, a problem that we really designed in Veritas to handle. But when the EU regulation came along, we realized we were just very well positioned. We had, uh, you know, we had hundreds of people, very dedicated, very uh, care a great deal about quality control. Um, they're going out, and, and some of the photographs they come back with are um, uh, are extraordinary to watch. There's this team with a with a dead bamboo but like a 15 foot bamboo pole and they've strapped their phone on the bamboo pole and they're they're holding it up to try and get wi-fi reception to the <laughs> to send data or receive data i love it one of our team texted back uh one day uh can i can i come? I haven't got to the point that you wanted me to go to but can i come home uh there's a tiger stalking me and we see yes. oh my god there's only one answer to that is yes you know the other thing that i um from all the research that i did preparing for this series the one thing that i also can see that the inveritas team is dedicated to is data integrity which is incredibly refreshing it's not just that you want to be the first to solve a problem it's that you want to understand the underpinning quality of the data behind it and then fix that problem before the you end up fixing the overall problem. And as someone who's trained as a scientist, I have a lot of respect for that approach to problem solving because we in an industry are going off a lot of marketing data rather than actual real data. And I have a lot of appreciation for the, the way that you and your team approach fixing problems with good real data that you've collected that you can verify and then go ahead and solve the problems. It's really refreshing. It's one of the problems that comes with the industry that, again, because it's so fragmented, yeah, it is incredibly difficult. Historically, it's been incredibly difficult to, yep. to really um, data at scale. So, so it's yep. it's understandable that in the end, people lean on anecdotes or or small samples yep. or whatever. Yeah, but uh, you know, that was what we we set out to solve. So we have one episode left in this series, sadly, um, and this is about regenerative agriculture. So join us for that episode, folks, um, and we'll see you soon. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.